Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. We're going to dive into some of the crazy news here today, but first I want to address those vapors out there who may have suddenly found themselves stampeding with the herd. And what I mean by that is a full hair on fire hysteria over COVID-19. If that is you, please stop and take a big breath. And then remember, the herd you are now running with was just a few moments ago apoplectic over an epidemic of teen vaping, flavored vaping products, and a mysterious disease that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control classified as a vaping-related lung illness, which the CDC immortalized as E-Valley, and as everybody knew, vaping kills. The hysteria over E-Valley nearly destroyed the U.S. and Canadian vaping industries last fall and could finish the job. As Canadian provinces begin to implement flavor bans and the U.S. marches towards an industry-killing PMTA deadline in early May. So if you are one of those vapors now running with the herd over COVID-19, this episode of RegWatch is for you and for those that need a little help to understand what's going on here. Because vapors are uniquely equipped to help everyone get through this crisis. And that's uh, what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. As you can tell, we've got some stuff here on script. Uh, and we'll do uh, some of my usual stuff off script too as well. And I've got stuff coming in here at the right at the moment. So our good friend, Mark Morano from climatedepot.com. He's the author of the Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change and uh, also a film producer and somebody that you're going to be meeting real soon. Fantastic guy. He just sent me... Italian research finds 99% of virus victims had prior illness. So maybe Stanton Glantz has been doing all the studies there in Italy and on COVID. Folks, I, I have to tell you, if there isn't every bone in your body questioning uh, the public health authorities in this matter, then I don't know where you've been for the last nine months or the last five years, to be quite honest. But... Here at RegWatch, as you all know, right, over the past four years, our organization has dedicated the vast majority of its news coverage to issues around vaping, which includes vaping regulations, of course, and research, harm reduction, the anti-vaping movement, media hysteria and bias, and the divide in public health. There's a continental divide. One chunk totally sees vaping as a tool for harm reduction, the other side wants to burn society down to the ground. <laughs> but that's <clears throat> as we get going. So no other organization, and I mean this, has interviewed as many top public health officials and researchers than RegWatch. If you go up uh, to our support site and into our you know, documents that we've got up there, you can see a list of all the people that have been on our show. It just, it reads like a register of public health, Health Canada, Health Canada, Public Health England, Public Health England, University of Edinburgh, you know, epidemiology, epidemiology, epidemiology. I mean, we've been covering this group of people and the science that they purport to do. And a lot of them are great people and are really fantastic. I wouldn't want to besmirch all the public health. Unfortunately, though, um, we are in this COVID hysteria on the word of a very few number of people. And the, it, it's the same hair on fire hysteria, hissy fit, that they threw over vaping. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that it's the exact same people. It's the exact same people 
that perpetrated the lie that vaping kills, that the vaping-related lung illness was a thing, and we all know it wasn't a thing, it's the exact same people. Not just the same organization, the exact same people. The exact same people at the national level, at the state level or provincial level, at the local levels, the very same people just moments ago were preaching about the evils of vaping and using science to do it are the exact same people marshalling the herd in this hysteria over COVID. So, you know, for RegWatch, our job is to cover public health. And in doing so, we've uncovered many disturbing trends, which are now manifesting themselves in the COVID-19 hysteria. And we'll be able to fully get into all of this tonight in one show. This is just really the start. Uh, it's This is monologue a little bit until we break into, you know, some... Uh, internet coverage, but I really want to lay the groundwork a little bit. So there's some background even for those that might not be very familiar with what happened. And I'm sure I'll be reiterating some of this as we go. So first allow me to state that the obvious thing here is that the Wuhan coronavirus is real and it's from China. It spreads easily and causes illness and death. No doubt in the small number of countries, it has ravaged life there for sure and it must be a living hell. But at this point, with the entire destruction of the global economy, all I hear about is Italy. And quite frankly, that's not really at this point now really enough to trash the entire Western civilization, which is what's happening. But look, the big issue here, really the fundamental issue, the issue that started before vaping, and you can trace this back to some of the very first public health measures, are you aware that when public health in the United States, because that's where public health started, when they first organized, I think it was the U.S., well, it was the precursor to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and it was in, I think, 1903 or 1905, one of the two, when the progressives, because regulations are progressive and public health is progressive, it is a progressive movement, when they gained power, thanks to Teddy Roosevelt, and uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration was set up, the precursor, they, they went and they uh, regulated Coca-Cola. Not because it had cocaine in it, it's because they had caffeine in it. It was unbelievable. Uh, so from the moment these people have taken power, they've gone to find things that are pleasurable and so forth, or not, and, and they just they yank, they yank liberty. They take power. They're, they're power suckers. And um, that's not to say that there aren't good people that work in public health. Of course, there are. We know that. We absolutely agree. And, and they're much needed. But they can't be considered to be God. Public health can't be in a position where they were unhappy with the president's tone and tenor and not being uh, duly hysterical enough and then completely flip a switch and hold a telebriefing, like the CDC was doing every week during a valley, and hold a telebriefing that literally lit the world on fire. Now, I'm going to get to that because that's the real big thing here in a little bit as we get through a little bit more that I want to talk about to set up. But the real fact of the matter is here is that it's the exact same people on the exact same day that have done this, and it, there's no doubt 
there's no doubt if you're a vapor that you should be deeply concerned and highly questioning what's been going on. And the good news is that you're well-equipped to do that because of your experience. So there is a covenant between citizens and public health, whereby we relinquish and entrust our civil liberties to the state in return for physical safety and stability in times of global health crisis. The first tool to reach for in the public health toolkit to combat an emerging global epidemic should not be crashing the global economy, triggering trillions in government bailouts, and disrupting every aspect of daily life for billions on the globe. The propaganda emanating from public health, which is echoed lockstep and more by the mainstream media, is blatant and overwhelming. How many headlines from Bloomberg, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, CBC, Globe and Mail, and The Guardian? Oh, sorry, that was taken from a vaping script that I wrote 3,000 times over the last five years. It's the same media. It's the same hysteria. So how many of these headlines have popped up on your phone to inform you that coronavirus will change the very way we live, work, shop, and travel forever? And let me use the, the way that it's phrased when it comes across your phone. The coronavirus will change the very way you live, you work, you shop, and you travel forever. It's the new normal. That message has been out there now for about eight to 10 days. And when it went off the rails at the end of last week, this weekend was brutal. Brutal. These messages should not offend, but frighten you into action. And that action should not be running with the herd. You need to be outside the herd. You're a vapor. You've always been outside the herd. Why? 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 Would you deny everything that you understand about the people who have been trying to destroy what you believe is a tool that saves your life? It's the same people. You can't have it both ways. Vaping can't be a tool to save your life. And then the people who are trying to take that tool away from you are the same people that you're listening to with regard to COVID. At least you need to be skeptical. So what's coming across your phone are messages of chaos and social disruption. They are unleashed on the public right away and incessantly. Public health's responsibility is not just to prevent illness and death, it is to do so while also protecting our economy, businesses, jobs, sense of normalcy, and our way of life. That's what public health is supposed to protect. When we think of epidemic, we think of disease ravaging through, we're not asking them to save our lives if they're truncated and dulled and shut in to our homes and social distanced by, uh, it's just unbelievable to even think that's not the covenant we have with public health. So bluntly put, protecting society and the infrastructure of Western civilization is of equal paramount, if not more, than saving every life. As sad as that might be, but the fact of the matter is, is that humans die <laughs> and our civilization is supposed to live on. Maybe the progressives have shattered uh, concepts, you know, of history and tradition to the extent that the people who are caught up in this hysteria, the herd, right, um, don't understand 
the value of a society and its stability. Clearly, the left loves chaos. That is what they live for. And of course, chaos brings change. And if you're a progressive lefter, if you're public health, even, right, change is good. So look, public health has demonstrably failed in the regard of protecting our society. It's as simple as that. Now look, sickness spreads, that's true, but not all sickness is a disease. Another form of sickness is hysteria, and the herd is infected with hysteria. So you'll have to forgive my deep skepticism over the speed with which the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the world's preeminent public health organization, lit the world's hair on fire over the Wuhan coronavirus, which is from China. CDC decision-making and the motives behind the decisions must be examined in light of the recent evidence. What is some of that recent evidence? Well, first of all, you've got the teen vaping epidemic. In September of 2018, U.S. public health officials at the CDC and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration unleashed a massive disinformation campaign designed to convince the public there was an epidemic of teen vaping in the U.S., also to be picked up in Canada, which was massively effective, the campaign was. When then FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb made the announcement, he made explicit that teen vaping was a, quote, academic, excuse me, was, quote, an ap epidemic, obviously, clearly. Mm -hmm. So, in case I ever decided to do an edit point there, one sec. So when then FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb made the announcement, he was explicit that teen vaping was a, quote, epidemic that posed a, quote, clear and present danger to youth and that the FDA would, quote, would not tolerate another generation to become addicted to nicotine. As we reported then and every day since, the use of the language of epidemic is grossly irresponsible as it is an exact language that public health agencies use to justify drastic measures such as social distancing, shelter in place, and quarantine. Let me be very clear here. There is no place outside of a linguistics department at a university that is more tuned to language than public health and most importantly, CDC. I, I can't hammer that home enough. The way in which that they pick over definitions, the way in which they maliciously use language and labeling uh, to, stigma, you know, to stigmatize certain things, we know that. It, it's just, they are the pros. They are the highest level of it. There's no doubt. So they don't make mistakes when it comes to picking words and language, right? They, they just don't do that. So when they decide to use the language of epidemic, that's a specific thing they're doing. And when it's false, and as we know, Dr. Ray Niera was just on our show a couple of weeks ago. He's the chair of the epidemi of epidemiology at New York University School of Global Public Health, Global School of Public Health. And I mean, outright um, said that uh, epidemic cannot be used in the context of a behavior. But meanwhile, since September of 2018, it has just been a simple fact that there's an epidemic of teen vaping. 
So the language is corrupt and its choice, its use by the CDC is purposeful and corrupt. And the body part orgs that push this language know that too. But the left uses language like a shotgun or maybe more importantly, like a sniper rifle. So if teen vaping was truly an epidemic that posed a clear and present danger to youth, obviously the next step would be a massive state mobilization to thwart its spread. No. It's an epidemic, isn't it? One would think, considering the massive amount of mainstream media coverage over the teen vaping epidemic, that a real disease was poised to infect millions, didn't it? And every teen was susceptible to its ravages. Were they not? I mean, it's an infectious disease. That's what epidemics are. You don't have any choice. It's not you cho choosing to use. Now's a good time, I guess, to check that my audio is working. Just took that one for granted, and it is. They have spun 18 months of epidemic, 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 epidemic for behavior. They're destroying the vaping industries in Canada and the U.S. Billions of dollars. They are, they are breaking the covenant. Now, I mentioned, of course, the big covenant, like don't burn down Western civilization on a whim, right? That's that covenant. But there is another covenant that they've broken. And it's, in my mind, I mean, while it's not as worse, this is the worst, this hysteria. This hysteria, if we're lucky, will we'll be mocking everybody in the herd. Everybody in the herd will be mocking them for perpetrating the greatest hysteria ever known to mankind. That's how big this one is. But, you know, public health broke this another covenant and specifically the vapors. It's an important one because for 40 years, uh, they unleashed a barrage of negative messaging. They turned uh, family on family, friends on friends, worker employers on workers all over smoking, right? Because they've got this huge disgust and they've got this desire for power that clearly, as we see, with public health actions over the last 10 days, their desire for power knows no bounds. So specifically with tobacco smokers, with smokers, we're told to quit. Quit, quit, quit. Every, oh my God, stigmatized, dehumanized, everything. Quit, we build vaping up into a, you know, 40 million vapors worldwide uh, was two years ago projected to be in a couple of years from now, $25 billion a year industry worldwide. I mean, this was a consumer-led movement. This was a solution to the smoking problem that cost the government not $1 to implement, zero. And contributed millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to the economy, like tens, hundreds of millions of dollars to the economy through payroll taxes, business taxes, and having all these great new businesses that are out there, but not public health. They said no. They weren't asked or invited for their input, though they were, right? And their outright position was that you are not allowed to vape. 
And they cooked up, at first, the teen vaping epidemic in order to remove your civil liberties. So they broke the covenant, public health did, because, you know, public health's biggest file, when it's not out there lying and burning down Western civilization, is smoking. Otherwise, they don't have a whole hell of a lot. They kind of fixed a lot of things. So allow me to continue. The FDA, who we're talking about here specifically, because they spearheaded the epidemic, but it was driven by the CDC, because you need to understand that those numbers that the FDA used, they were just, you know, they were embellished numbers cooked up by the CDC, because all of the smoking data, the National Youth Tobacco Survey and so forth, uh, and all of the reports of monitoring your future and everything else, it's all the Centers for Disease Control. It's all CDC. And in particular, the data that was used by then FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, September 2018, wasn't made public. They bullied Juul. They, they disrupted the entire industry, as you all know. And then that, that data didn't even get made public until into the new year in 2019. And it wasn't really fully available uh, to researchers until later that spring of 2019. And then we had our first pieces and reports coming out from researchers, the good ones, uh, talking about how it wasn't an epidemic. Hardly, like not at all, can't even call it an epidemic, but it, it's, it was nothing. So through all of this, the FDA unleashed a multi-million dollar ad campaign at the exact same time that uh, they put out the that this was an epidemic of teen vaping. You guys all know that piece. Let me just see here if I can find that with any kind of quickness. So unlike normal, where I try to have a bunch of content ready, it was not that easy today uh, because our website got hacked <laughs> uh, after our coverage last week. And it finally went almost down on Monday. So we lost most of that to try to see if we could hang on and not have to do like something drastic. And then drastic happened yesterday. So if any of you were actually going to uh, RegWatch yesterday, definitely in the evening, you would have been met by Carol. Okay, I do. So let's see here. Possible. Scientists say huh. it can you think people brain. will do that? I mean, that would require getting off Netflix, though, too, right? It can really okay, so obviously well, I again, got, I got Tucker here. Hold do you on. want to do the time or do you want the time? Uh, Tucker. There we go. There's an epidemic spreading. Scientists say it can change your brain. It can release dangerous chemicals like formaldehyde into your bloodstream. It can expose your lungs to acrolein, which can cause irreversible damage. It's not a parasite, not a virus, not an infection. It's vaping. 
so you can uh, say it's not a parasite or it's not a virus, but while you're showing those images, come on. Well, we said it wasn't a virus as we're showing a virus. We said it wasn't a parasite as we show parasite. I'm sorry, but you can't get away with that. That is propaganda. That is pure propaganda. And, um, you know, that was 18 months ago, more than 18 months now. And why is our public health agencies lying and spending hundreds of millions of dollars to put people in the mindset of epi epidemic? I'm not saying they were leading up to COVID, but we all know that they create, in the philosophical world, in my world, um, I like to frame my life by a certain phrase, and I think it's mine, actually. I would say this one is mine, is that, is that I seek to create conditions of serendipity. So, you know, it's a fancy way of saying I like to create, you know, opportunity through chance kind of thing, right? You know, you're not specifically looking to make something happen or even maybe some multiple potential things happen within a narrow frame. But what you do do is you create around your life the conditions for which serendipity can enter your life. And that's the positive way. Public health looks for pretexts to steal your liberty and to do harm. They look for pretexts to do that. So when they're out there, pumping the epidemic narrative over something that's not a disease, but a behavior. What they're doing is they're creating their own conditions of serendipity for creating an environment in which multiple pretexts could happen in which that they could take advantage of, which is what they did, as you know, in the vaping-related lung illness. We get to this point and we're like, yeah, oh my God, wow, they did that and it was all epidemic, epidemic, epidemic. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then, and then pile on the fact, right, that we get hit with the vaping-related lung illness, which just blew everything apart. So I'm not gonna get into more examples of the gargantuan amount of uh, misinformation and I mean, we haven't even looked at any media coverage because there's just no point. The mainstream media were pimping the teen vaping epidemic narrative, um, and you all saw it, and everybody who's not a vapor saw it. Every single person in the West saw it, you know, and we know that millions fell for it. The teen vaping epidemic was a public health-generated hysteria. I want many researchers and those of us who cover public health, you know, know, we knew then, right, was that it was an entire manufactured hysteria, one that promoted an increase in teen vaping rather than to discourage it. And you can see Michelle Minton's report in the story up on RegWatch from a few weeks ago. I will be turning this copy into an actual proper typed up article and stuff like that for RegWatch uh, at some point in the next couple of days. And uh, so these links will be in there too. So you can easily jump over to Michelle's report. As you can tell, some of this was written actually for web uh, print kind of web. So look, in both U.S. and Canada, the official youth vaping stats, as we know, provided by the CDC and Health Canada, respectively, show that while there was an uptick in teen vaping over the past 19 to 24 months, the increase was due to curiosity and represented only one-time use over the past 30 days. 
as opposed to regular use. I mean, that's critical. Actual rate of uptick in regular use by teens, as many preeminent epidemiologists have told RegWatch, is not terribly high or concerning. Consider the vastly higher levels of cannabis and alcohol use by teens. So with the vaping epidemic out of the way, we get hit, and I'm not gonna blow by blow uh, the entire uh, vaping-related lung illness. Might do that in another episode, but I wanna jump into the very specific part of this story that I wanna get to, and then we're gonna look at some headlines. My copy here runs a bit off the rail, so I didn't even get a read. So we'll just, we'll just see how we go here. No reasonable person could follow public health's war on vaping and not come away with a clear understanding that public health and the mainstream media have no compunction whatsoever with regard to spreading misinformation, contorted data, and using the power of the state and its state-backed agencies to deceive and coerce the public in order to get their way. If you followed any of it, you got to know that. Many readers may be wondering why all the fuss over vaping. And then, well, indeed, as I mentioned, it's a life and death issue for millions. It's estimated that by the end of the century, one billion people will die due to smoking-related illness. In the U.S., roughly 480,000 people will die each year. In Canada, that number is around 225,000 due to smoking. And you know that those numbers we've recently done coverage on that they might not even be true. So public health spent decades nudging and bullying smokers into trying to quit. And as a result, smokers were demonized, dehumanized, ostracized from polite society. If you smoked, there was something wrong with you and you better quit now. And smokers did quit, but they quit in their own way via a consumer-led movement that created nicotine vaping products. Many within public health, those in real power, detest nicotine vaping and refused to accept it as a safer alternative to smoking. When discussing broken covenants, this is a big one. So a little bit on the lung illness, because this is going to take us through. I mean, the lung illness, it was just dastardly. Think about it. Each one of those pictures that so quickly came up on the screen and through all of our feeds, they were porn pornographic of the young kids lying in a hospital bed with their lungs infected, with ventilators, and, you know, I've never seen pictures like that before for any patient. How did that all happen? There, there had to be, well, they turned it into a meme. I mean, with the signs and everything. It, 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 the, those pictures created an emotional meme inside people's minds in the West that are serving right now instead for all of the pictures we're not getting of COVID patients in their hospital beds. Why is that? Ask yourself that. Hundreds and hundreds of pictures, because it wasn't just the official cases of E-Valley that were a problem, right? We are talking here about all of these, I mean, public health protects people's privacy when they want to, as we can clearly see here with COVID. So 
we've got this huge precedent that was just literally months ago where for months public health encouraged, if not facilitated, right, the capturing of these pictures of people inflicted with vaping-related lung illness, which they use disease many times. Evalley kills. They lied. They lied. They lied. They lied. Why don't we see any pictures of human beings on ventilators like we were just assaulted with over the last seven months? It's not something to just ignore. They want you to ignore. <laughs> How, this is the point why vapors are very uniquely positioned to be skeptical about public health, considering that it's the exact same people. The same people in the hospitals, the same people in local public health, the same people at state and provincial public health, the same people at federal public health, the same people at global, WHO, the WHO. They're the same people. More on that in a sec. So if you're a vapor and unquestionably accepting what public health tells you about the Wuhan coronavirus because it's from China, you are a fool. That, or you must not have followed a single development over these past seven months during the time when the CDC lied to the American public and the world over the potential cause of the mysterious vaping-related lung illness that sickened thousands and took the lives of many around 60. The illness was described by the CDC as a, quote, dangerous, newly identified lung disease linked to vaping, close quote, for which the symptoms ranged from shortness of breath to fever and in some cases, a life-threatening lung infection. The CDC wasted no time in deploying the language of ep epidemic to refer to the growing number of cases of, of lung illness as an outbreak of disease. Outbreak of disease defying basic definition and understanding of what constitutes an infectious illness. <clears throat> so we know that pretty much everybody knew, including the CDC, highly likely, that it was the THC cannabis products, the tainted black market illicit vaping products, that uh, had been spiked with vitamin E, likely by people who thought that it was okay to put that in there and it was a good cutting agent and everything was above board, right? So likely it was a, a, a mistaken product tampering. And as we said, on, on August 23rd, when the whole thing broke, when it broke that day and we had Dr. Ricardo Peloza on the show, who, you know, huge researcher, and that's, these people in public health are fantastic you know, the researchers and stuff that conduct good science. Um, it doesn't need to be science that agrees with my position, but it needs to be science that stands up to being good science. I mean, I can read science that might have a position, an end conclusion that I find, you know, dismaying, right? But you have to accept that. But there's just no blind follow science. And it's good researchers that know that. Dr. Plos is one of them. And um, man, um, I mean, already we knew that it was 
THC uh, product. And it was just simply a tainted product issue. But CDC didn't treat it that way. They took it as a, uh, on a pretext. There was a pretext. And they went, oh, we can conflate that with nicotine vaping products. Screw with the definition of e-cigarettes that we've had as long as there was e-cigarettes. And um, completely, totally uh, use this as a tool to try to institute vaping bans as high as you can go. And we know that by September 11th, they had reached the president of the United States and convinced him of the soundness of a national vaping ban. <laughs> Something similar just happened a couple of weeks ago again. So let's get there. So, I mean, they did a fantastic job of convincing everybody that not only uh, the pod systems like Juul, but also open systems were responsible for the illness and death that was occurring from this mis mysterious vaping-related lung illness. Try not to use the, their sex word called e-valley because that's just designed to uh, gloss over the fact that it's not a disease. They repeatedly pimped this message to the mainstream media, which the CDC did. And again, dutifully, the mainstream media propagandized CDC's narrative to the public and crashed the U.S. and Canadian vaping industries and triggered numerous bans on vaping products in states and provinces across the continent. It should be noted that the executive powers used by governments to unilaterally enact and enforce bans on vaping products are powers granted by public health legislation at the state and local levels. These actions to restrict or prohibit access to vaping products for millions of vapors, they are the same pieces of legislation that are being used to strip civil liberties from Americans and Canadians over COVID. It's the same infrastructure. It's the same legal tools and regulatory tools and executive powers. So please, if you're a liberty-loving vapor and you're all on your high horse about what public health has done to you and taking away your right to vape and this and that, it's the exact same infrastructure that they've unleashed on COVID. So CDC propaganda, you know, it works. <laughs> More people now believe that vaping is not only as harmful as smoking, but it is as deadlier. Oh, sorry, but it is deadlier than smoking. We used to always say it this way. That's why I got to be tripped up. You know, why is it that more people now think that vaping is as harmful or even more harmful than smoking? That was like 2016, 17, and 18. By 2019, by the end of this year, it was people think it's as deadly or deadlier than smoking. That's how effective CDC propaganda is. And right down through the entire forces there. I'm trying to use words that hopefully won't contribute to me getting this pulled off of Facebook. But, uh, you know, little, uh, you know, right down to the bottom foot soldiers, you know, through all the platoons and everything. Public health speaks with one voice. It's a reassuring voice until they want to scare the world into a huge hysteria. And then it just sounds like CNN. So it gets astonishing that so many people would fall for this. The vaping-related lung illness. 
and the epidemic. But, you know, it's understandable since the CDC is the world's preeminent public health organization. Every other public health organization reveres the CDC around the world and dutifully follows CDC guidance on urgent matters of public health. I saw a notice uh, today come by from a very well-established vaping company uh, in Canada. Won't say much more about that. Great company. But it was a notice out to, uh, out to uh, vapors, letting them know that they were going to be um, shutting their doors because of policy. I don't know what province they're in. Can't remember. But this vaping company puts in the email that um, according to the CDC, there could be this number of deaths. <laughs> so this vaping company who's being forced by public health to shut down their business to, you know, because of uh, this hysteria is thus also uh, quoting the very same organization that's not even a Canadian public health organization, right? That's why, C you know, CDC's imminence is, is huge, right? That even vaping companies in Canada will be citing the CDC and the CDC's warnings uh, about making sure that, you know, we shut down so we don't spread COVID. So I would say the CDC is pretty damn decent at its propaganda. So when the CDC purposely conflated what even they knew, because they knew that uh, it was THC, um, you know, we we're kind of stuck. The FDA could not put up with the lie past October 4th. So... We're talking pretty quick here. We're looking at the week of August 20th. It was around 22nd. 23rd was our piece that we did. Uh, we run up into the Labor Day long weekend. And then literally the very first day back from the Labor Day long weekend, we were greeted by the governor of Michigan dropping the full statewide flavor ban, the vaping ban. That was pure public health attack tactics. So we're looking at what, 10 days? So it took, so in, in 10 days in the last week of the summer over the Labor Day long weekend, we are to believe that we go from nobody knowing about this quote unquote vaping related lung illness and then automatically so, it would, it would move so quickly naturally on its own without any involvement by CDC um, or any pre-planning with the state of Michigan that they were ready to drop that bill and hold the massive press conference they had that week. Parents lined up to tell their sob story. Parents that were using the exact talking points and language that the entire infrastructure of public health was using in order to demonize vaping and to remove people's civil liberties and choice on ways in which they might choose to save their life vis-a-vis -vis smoking. So it's impossible that all of that could be prepared organically. Now, on August 23rd, when we launched our piece, that was when they did their national launch. They had that funky kid with the hair, and this was on CBS this morning. Um, how the hell... Do we have already a recovered patient at the launch of their campaign for the vaping-related lung illness on national television? 
the CBS producers don't didn't don't know how to find that kid. That kid was served up on a platter from the CDC, from their public relations department. And I use public relations very, very carefully because really we know that it's like the office of propaganda, <laughs> right? And even that I'm choosing words carefully. It's much more dangerous than that. So let's just see if we can find this easily. So I do have some COVID stuff now getting, uh, finally getting curated to regulatorwatch.com. And so, and I'm trying to put stuff up there that I think is, 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 um, going to help people understand. So we have a COVID section here. I mean, we're just started, of course, cause like all week, every time I tried to add content, uh, I was hit by uh, the malware. So, Wuhan virus, because it's from China, economics, hysteria, politics, and science. So check it out. I've already got some stuff up there in my usual RegWatch way that you should find some value in. Key things that I am very uh, keen on is going back and getting the key stuff on, on viruses like AIDS and the swine flu. Key stuff that's going to be very critical for you to understand. I'm not going to get into it fully right now because I want to get into the other stuff. I promise you I'm going to bring you examples of the CDC doing this in the past. The CDC in the past completely corrupting data on number of people who are infected by extremely life-threatening viruses. How the CDC politicized those numbers and how the CDC used those numbers to then gain power and funding. And we're talking black and white examples here that I'm gonna show you. When I walk you through what the CDC and progressives did during the AIDS epidemic, you will freak. Seriously. Okay. Man, that, uh, that really got me, man. I unnerved myself. This is unnerving. To realize the maliciousness that um, the people we entrust to care for us, they ask us to not be selfish and to not think of ourselves as individuals. Do more for diversity and inclusivity. Don't be white, whatever. I don't know what the right thing they're telling white people uh, is, but either way, they um, it's relentless. It's never ending. And are, you know, these people, these agencies are supposed to protect us. You know, um, I don't know how you can join this herd. This herd is out to get you. Now, I know, I know, boy, do I know. 
everyone wants to be liked by the left. No doubt. When I say left, I mean progressive left. Of course. They're the cool people. Not the jock cool kind of people. The cool, cool people. We know what they are. It doesn't even matter. Even if we don't think they're cool, they're telling you they're cool and they're bossing you around. They're the left. They own compassion. They own empathy. They own all that. Really? God, then the world is pretty bleak if their demonstrations of that end in this. You know, I lived through 9-11 for sure. I mean, I was in the U.S., working in the U.S. during 9-11. I started my big job in entertainment marketing on 9-11. <laughs> Negotiated my job a couple days later. I start my first day was 9-11. So, I mean, I, I lived that as an American in New York, L.A., and all over. I've been through all the viruses. This is the greatest hysteria ever in mankind. The progressives have a choice to decide how long they're going to hold on to it. And that's where they're going to get really dangerous. So I think we're, we're through, all, we're through that, that part. So let me close on this thing on the vaping-related lung illness thing. Now, visually, it's hard for me to do this. Um, all right. This is where I would have needed uh, a few more hours today to have um, done some kind of a graphical way to do this. Stick with me. And let me give you guys a little bit of a look here into um, my system. So this is um, this is Otero. Some of you have seen it. This is uh, uh, my issues tree under just under science, actually. So give you an idea. COVID's just building right now, but this is um, obviously to stay on top of any of the kinds of issues that we do. We're not just looking at vaping because everything is connected. Um, and here vaping starts here. So none of that was vaping. And then now we're into vaping. I think it's in CDC here. Okay. And it should be easy for me to find. So, uh, this is, uh, all CDC's, uh, main briefing and stuff starting, uh, September 9th. So as you can see here, um, and a lot of this is on RegWatch, but I can just show it a lot easier here. All right. Thank you for bearing with me as we're uh, doing this. Box one, that's me. All right. So this is a really, this is an excellent way to kind of take you through. This is just the main hardcore key um, CDC dates here going on. And you can see they sent out the first uh, health alert 
network. And this is the one where they sent out and they did not ask for blood samples or any kind of samples. So this agency here, oh God, I'll take too long if I do this. I promise I'll bring this in. But the same agency that can't get a single freaking test out for COVID and is willing to pull the pin on Western civilization, right, is also the same one that when the vaping-related lung illness hit, it did not ask for a single test. Not a single test. So we're, what we're seeing here is within the course of 10 months, that's it. They've demonstrated this behavior twice. And I, I, there's other occasions. They don't want to test. They don't care because they are not about science. They are about power. It is the progressive public health deep state. So vaping, you know they didn't test anybody. And they branded everything a vaping-related lung illness. You freaked out because of the injustice of that. Well, you should be having the same freak out here. Be outside the herd. All right. So here we go. Okay. Pulmonary disease associated with e-cigarettes. Pulmonary disease associated with e-cigarettes. These are all the CDC's official headlines over and over and over again. And like, this is their telebriefing stuff, their internal stuff. Lung injury associated with e-cigarettes or vaping products. Over and over and over. Severe pulmonary disease associated with electronic cigarette products use. Characteristics of a multi-state outbreak of lung injury associated with e-cigarette use. Outbreak. How can it be an outbreak? It's not a disease. It's not infectious. Ugh. So we're looking here. That's October 15th. Two, three, four months ago. And keep in mind that it was October 4th that FDA said, hey, 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 this is not nicotine vaping products. This is THC, illicit black market vaping products. That was on October 4th. So outbreak of lung injury associated with use of e-cigarettes. So now we're, and I see that my dates here. Let's just get the dates. And there we go. There's some 2015, 2018. There we go. Here we go. Yeah, so here's the original August. Again, here's September. There we go. Sorry about that. I had, I didn't needed to click that. And then, all right. So, and then that's running, you know, through e-cigarette use or vaping. Updated characteristics of patients in a national outbreak of e-cigarette or vaping products use. That was November 11th. Uh, tobacco, okay. Let's just see here. Transcripts of the December 20th telebriefing update on lung injury associated with e-cigarettes. That was on December 20th. So that's one to look at. So note here on go to snapshot instead of the link because the CDC, for those of you that do know this and some and lots of you won't know, is that the CDC sets up the vast majority of its pages to disappear when they update it with new information, which means they can change the narrative in a second, which they do all the time. So one of the things about the tools that I use and you've experienced the benefits of that in every single RegWatch piece that we've ever done, 
you've experienced it rooted in this is that um, our research software actually grabs uh, full page snapshots grabs so um, and all the code so uh, if they take it down it doesn't matter or they change it doesn't matter we at regwatch always have access to what they had there and indeed actually we do a, even one more backup layer on that using another tool on critically important stuff so um so i can click snapshot here and that will take me to actually what was actually published on december 20th if they had done which they do all the time an update say two weeks later or a week later this would no longer be there transcript of december 20th telebriefing 2019 telebriefing so this is the last telebriefing the cdc did before christmas and so we all know what happened over Christmas. They bullied Trump. They got to Trump. They got to him down in Mar-a-Lago. There was like one last try. Like we thought this that, you know, there was some real progress that was made. They couldn't even let vapors have a freaking holiday. They are just evil. Nothing can stop them. Over Christmas, they did moves to crush vaping at the presidential level. So they spent all fall and Christmas bullying the president over public health and not taking no for an answer. Even after, you know, it was, and I'm not carrying water for Trump here. I'm just, this is just what happened. So this is the last CDC briefing right before Christmas. So, you know, these headlines here, this is what drives the media. The media is not looking for clarifications on whether or not, you know, for those media that were actually describing that there was THC connected, we all know how those stories, you know, go. They stain today. They're still implying that, it, you know, it's vaping. So this is the, the transcript. We're not going to go through this and find the examples of, uh, uh, you know, where they're being mendacious and stuff. Uh, they, they do say here, second, we are. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to, to do that too far here. We know that they were not perfectly clear. We know they were not perfectly clear going right up to uh, the Christmas break. We know they were not perfectly clear because they spent the entire Christmas break trying to destroy vaping still using this not using this okay so i'm just looking to see here yeah so this is shuat that's here this is okay so this is the official thing so it wasn't until January, oh. Yeah, I gotta make sure that's the actual one because I clicked it instead of the, the snapshot. There we go. Most Valley patients, most, use THC-containing products as new cases continue to decline. So that is the news as of January 17th. So that's quite a stark difference certainly considering the fact that they just spent the last week and a half of the year in the big push 
to uh, get Trump to uh, sign off on another ban. So by January 17th, the CDC was already receiving reports, of course, about COVID in China. So the Wuhan virus had already uh, escaped and unleashed from whatever its origins were. And I'm not no point having to get into that tonight. But the fact of the matter is, is that, is that the CDC knew that there was this respiratory disease, a coronavirus, that had presented itself in China. And that's why we call it the Wuhan virus. So by the time that the CDC finally decided to do the biggest mea culpa that it had at the time, which is most Valley patients use THC containing products as new cases continue to decline, the CDC at that moment is already several weeks involved in putting a plan together on how to handle the Wuhan virus. Of course. What we know now is that the Chinese were well aware of the virus and escaping and everything else in December. And I have got a hard time believing that the CDC didn't know that as well, considering that it was the CDC in the 1980s that set up China's Center for Disease Control. As I mentioned earlier, the CDC is the preeminent public health organization in the world. They've set up countless national CDCs, and they did that for China. So it's, you know, they, I mean, they run, I mean, they run really the global reaction on epidemics. So there's really no way that the CDC didn't have as much understanding about the realities of this virus in December. Maybe that explains the last ditch effort at the end of the year to try to twist Trump's arm and to sneak in some kind of a national vaping ban. Maybe. Uh-oh. Well, we've done a great job creating this massive fake epidemic. And everyone knows day after day after day, CNN and the rest of them, day after day after day, with the dramatic announcements of how many new cases of vaping-related lung disease there were. Two numbers. How many new cases? How many dead? How many new cases? How many dead? That's what we, were, that's what we did for August, September, October, November. And then all of a sudden in December, uh-oh, we got this other one here. And then now, how many dramatic announcements? How many cases? How many dead? How many cases? How many dead? Literally, same news, same stories, same people, same agencies. How in the hell you can't question this is, is insane. The herd is trying to get you. They proved that over the last seven months. So do you want to run with the herd? Or do you want to be outside of the herd? I think as vapors, you naturally are outside of the herd. I think as individuals who, who, who value liberty, any individual, not just vapors, 
you value being outside of the herd. It used to be that the left and the progressive left valued those that were outside of the herd. They were the ones that you idealized. You know, they were the ones that we had to bring in, you know, and invite them in. So we can clearly see once they've gotten power, they have become the new, they have become the ugliest part of conservatism. They are the new Christianity. All right. So let's, let's get to the thing here. Gone way longer than I wanted to, but oh well. So we got a real problem because January 17th, CDC is still, still hanging on. The report also analyzed updated data on newly reported cases to CDC, as well as emergency department visits over time related to e-cigarette or vaping products. These data show that the Evali outbreak began in June 2019 and peaked in September 2019. The number of cases has since continued to decline, but new cases and deaths continue to be reported. These people, they are, these are the people you're listening to on COVID. They're the same people. This is January 17th. Get it through your head. Quote, these reports build on the continued scientific progress CDC and our partners have made to reduce the number of E-Valley cases, close quote, said CD Director Robert Redfield, MD. Quote, it is also critically important that we continue to do all we can to protect Americans, particularly young people, from this serious health threat. It's over, man. It's January 7th. What the hell are you doing with this propaganda still? It's because they can't help it. They are sick. It's fat. It's fascistic. So they continue to lay it out, you know, with more stuff, making their case, attractive flavors, including, you know, it's just, un, it's just never ending, right? The Valley outbreak primarily affects young adults, is driven by the use of THC containing products from informal sources. So here's where they do the bend. It's not like this is brand new language, just swapped out. So in contrast, the youth e-cigarette or vaping product youth epidemic, see, because there's still the epidemic. They've still got the epidemic to fall back on. The previous lie. So, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we're willing to admit that it's a THC and we've been lying to you all the time, right? More new cases, more new deaths, right? The, the, this thing it peaked in September, it's January 17th. No matter what, we're telling you right now, there will still be more cases and more deaths. On January 17th, there will be more cases and more deaths. Even though it peaked in September, how are you going to be able to trust the CDC when it starts telling you when peaks could happen, when we're all going to get back to normal? All right. See, this is the stuff that was just too hard for me to condense into any way yet. I'll be working on it into much better spots. But I think you're getting the point. This, this, you know, I've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks now that the CDC is a corrupted organization. It has to be. It is a progressive organization and progressives are corrupt. All right. So now let's get to the kicker. 
The kicker, so that was January 17th. And then, oh, sorry, no, 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 no. I'm looking at, that was January 17th. Jesus, for a second there. All right, then February 18th. February 18th, so a month ago, one month ago, CDC confirms person-to-person -person spread of new coronavirus in the United States. January 17th, there will be more cases of E-Valley. Not E-Valley, you know, they had yet not parsed it. There will be more cases and more deaths. Now, oh, so this was released on January 30th, so my timestamp. January 30th. Ah, geez. That's even worse. <laughs> so, so three days later, after they uh, don't parse, or they, they still are maintaining the whole thing on vaping. Three days later, they're making their connection here. The first person to person spread of new coronavirus in the United States. So that's the, that's the bell, right? When it comes to infectious disease, when it lands on the shore, when it's been transmitted person to person, uh, that's it. That's, you know, boom, that is the fire alarm. So CDC pulled the fire alarm on January 30th, three days after it's still uh, pumping and pimping uh, its uh, lung illness, vaping lung illness. And then this is a vaping lung illness. Or this is a lung illness. And then we know automatically, I'm not going to do the stories right now, but we know automatically that lockstep, they started saying, well, if you're a smoker or a vapor, this is likely uh, to be a very disastrous disease for you. And so they, they totally uh, stigmatized vaping even more. Okay. We're almost there. Now, that was January 17th, or 20th, excuse me, 30th. Now, we have... February 25th, February 25th. Less than a month ago. Just a little over three weeks ago, the CDC finally, finally came out. CDC states update, CDC states update number of hospitalized E-Valley cases and E-Valley deaths. It's a media statement. Of course, CDC today announced the updated number of hospitalized e-cigarette or vaping product use associated. See, they don't... So they went right back to their original August language. CDC today announced the updated number of hospitalized e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury, right? So that's their awkward E-Valley cases and E-Valley deaths. As of February 18th, 2020, 2,807 cases of hospitalized E-Valley or deaths were reported by all 50 states. And that's awkward. I didn't realize they had combined it. Why they would combine that? They combined that there, hoping, I guess, people will just use the one number and use that language. That's why they put that there. So the CDC drives with that language. They know that the language will just get used like that. That sentence there is made for CNN. 
As of February 18, 2020, 68 deaths have been confirmed in 29 states and the District of Columbia. They listed all out, so everywhere is affected, blah, blah, blah. Due to, con due to continued declines in new E-Valley cases since September 2019. <laughs> it's February 25th. They already said back in January that, you know, that the, the new cases were declined. You know, I wonder when the exact last new one is, considering, too, that the CDC is the one that classifies what uh, goes into E-Valley, right? So you could have been had, you could have had a minor flu that was showing as a, as a, some kind of a lung illness or a really bad cold or so many other things. If you were in that period of time going into a hospital presenting with such symptoms, you would have gotten classified as having E-Valley because it's not like they had a real test for it because it wasn't a real thing. There was just, oh, glassy kind of things in, you know, your, in uh, uh, your, in your x-ray. So, I mean, there wasn't even like with COVID, there's something you could actually test. <laughs> so these people are corrupted. I mean, like, so here we are due to the continued declines in new E-Valley cases since September, 2019, and the identification of vitamin E acetate as a primary cause of E-Valley. Today's release is the final bi-weekly CDC update on the number of hospitalized E-Valley cases and deaths nationally. CDC will continue to provide assistance to states as needed related to E-Valley and will provide future updates as needed. So this is on the 25th of February. I mean, that in and of itself just shocks me. The, you know, what is the sagacity? Is that the right word? Uh, for what they're doing here, I mean, is just insane. This is like three weeks ago. So what else happened three weeks ago from the CDC on the exact same day? On the exact same day. I know that this is dated February 26, but it was actually the exact same day. This is the audio, this is the transcript for the CDC telebriefing. So just like the telebriefing I just showed you and the ones that we've posted numerous, six, seven, eight of them on RegWatch when it came to the vaping-related lung illness, which up until just three weeks ago was still a thing, on the exact same day, the CDC closed the book on Evalley and lit the world's hair on fire over COVID. This is the day that the CDC did their telebriefing, which is a way that they propagandize to their supplicants in the media, the mainstream media, and they made the full case for shutting down Western civilization. I'm just trying to see here. Now this, again, I will do something shorter with this. I just had to let this uh, get in here right away. So hold on. So let's do this. It's a good thing, I guess, that uh, I don't uh, enjoy a lot of porn. Because <laughs> you're always seeing this here. All right, so... So, all right, so uh, this is, we're going to watch um, the first little bit of Tucker Carlson, February 25th. 
I'm sure it's the 25th. Maybe it's the 26th. We'll know in a sec. this show by name in court today give you an update on exactly what she said and respond in just a moment but first the city of san francisco has just declared a state of emergency in response to coronavirus and yet you'll remember that for a month western leaders told us that the virus was under control and was unlikely to cause serious problems for anyone in our hemisphere none of that was true but saying it was less painful than rethinking the failed theology of globalism so they went with it Meanwhile, in China, an aggressively nationalist country that, if nothing else, definitely doesn't hate itself, authorities acted immediately and with force. With military-grade discipline, they shut down the city of Wuhan, home to 11 million. Okay, so there's your Wuhan, if anybody says, well, it wasn't in Wuhan, it's Wuhan. Um, yeah, so and then the Iranian leader uh, is, you know, is sick. And I'm not, okay, here we go. I just wanted, you know, I am going to just run this back. I just wanted to make sure that this was indeed the right day. And it is. So this is the same day. Real time, but yet assured themselves that everything was fine. It wasn't fine. We know that now. At least 35 countries have confirmed cases of coronavirus as of tonight. Last Friday, Italy reported six. Yet at midday today, they had 283. And then by tonight, that number had risen to 322. That is a steep trajectory. So far, 11 people have died in Italy, and parts of the country are shutting down. Iran has confirmed 15 deaths, plus 95 cases, though the real number is believed to be higher than that. One of those infected is the country's own deputy health minister, who was seen sweating profusely on Monday at a press conference downplaying the outbreak. He later appeared on an Iranian news program to reassure the country that everything was under control, and then he coughed on the woman interviewing him. In this country, there are more than 50 confirmed cases. Today, the Centers for Disease Control confirmed that a generalized outbreak is inevitable here. Quote, it's not a question of if this will happen, but when. Officials warned Americans to be ready for severe disruptions to their lives. Include dividing students into smaller groups or in a severe pandemic, closing schools and using Internet-based teleschooling to continue education. For adults, Businesses can replace in-person meetings with video or telephone conferences and increase teleworking options. On a larger scale, communities and cities may need to modify, postpone, or cancel mass gatherings. Disruption to everyday life may be severe. But these are things that people need to start thinking about now. And that is light, that lit the world on fire. That. Right there. The CDC on the same day it closed at D Valley <laughs> uh, and the same hysteria. It's the same people. Let's hear that again. Cause the breathlessness and the calm, well, she's calm and breathless at the same time in my estimation there. It's just. For severe disruptions to their lives. Include dividing students into smaller groups 
or in a severe pandemic, closing schools and using internet-based teleschooling to continue education. For adults, businesses can replace in-person meetings with video or telephone conferences and increase teleworking options. On a larger scale, communities and cities may need to modify, postpone, or cancel mass gatherings. Disruption to everyday life may be severe. But these are things that people need to start thinking about now. People are concerned about this situation. I would say rightfully so. I'm concerned about the situation. CDC is concerned about the situation. And that just fills me with a huge pile of total skepticism about this whole thing because CDC uh, doesn't care. I mean, they, they are an ideological organization. They are not science-based. That should be clear to everybody by now. CDC is concerned about the situation. This is the exact same day they closed the book on the big hysteria around vaping-related lung illness. And they moved to another lung illness because that pretext didn't work. But it sure primed the media. 18 months of epidemic. Seven months of vaping-related lung illness. Six months of intensive coverage by the mainstream media delivering dramatic announcements of new cases every day and new deaths every day, accompanied by pornographic, uh, you know, it just rubs the erogenous zone of a progressive to, have, to see those pictures of those young kids with the ventilators down their mouth. Ventilators, the ventilators, where are they? Well, I guess they got used all up for the vaping-related lung illness. The ventilators, the very thing that's driving a lot of the hysteria right now, worldwide, is the lack of ventilators. Where are the pictures of, of our patients, our fine, stricken um, COVID patients? Oh, we can't do that because of privacy. Oh, but what about all of the patients vaping-related lung illness? That was just fake anyhow, so what do we care? I don't know if it was fake. There were some people who definitely got sick from vaping. But how do you really know? How can you trust the CDC? This is the exact same day. So what exactly will a coronavirus pandemic mean for this country? Well, of course, you can't really say. It's impossible to predict with, with precision. But here's one forecast that caught our eye. It's from The Atlantic. It's titled, You're Likely to Get the Coronavirus. The piece quotes extensively a Harvard epidemiologist. The article describes him as a cautious professional, the kind of person who carefully considers every word and then backs it with data. What the professor told the magazine is this, quote, I think the likely outcome is that coronavirus will ultimately not be containable. He went on to predict that in the next year, 40 to 70 percent of the people on Earth will be infected with coronavirus. Now, not all of them will be. So what do you want to make a bet that if you polled that epidemiologist, if you queried about his position on vaping, <laughs> you think he's going to be on vaping as a tool for harm reduction? No. He's one of the propaganda mills. And hear that language. This is February 25th. Everything is over. Everyone's going to get it. Your entire lives are going to change. The CDC, public health organization, supposed to be protecting us, instigating panic to the extent that, actually, there really wasn't much panic because people are so primed that they just turned into the herd. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a little bit more on this one because this is the groundbreaking day. And for vapors to not connect this, you should be connecting this for your family, your friends, and just kind of just kind of paint this picture that there are reasons to doubt public health. And you've experienced a huge reason. There's very few people in large numbers, like vapors are in large numbers in contemporary society. I don't think there's anyone that that could speak to first-hand experience to public health trying to get them. Give your head a shake. I'm ill. Many, he says, will be asymptomatic or feel no worse than they do with a cold. But nevertheless, 70% of the world's population is a big number. In fact, it's 5.4 billion people. Currently, the coronavirus appears to kill about 2% of the people who have it. So let's be generous for a moment and imagine that asymptomatic carriers are not detected and the real death rate is only, say, half a percent. That would be one quarter of the current estimates. Even under that scenario, there would still be 27 million deaths from coronavirus globally. In this country, more than a million would die. And according to The Atlantic, many experts fear this may not be a one-off epidemic. Cold and flu season could become cold flu and coronavirus season for the foreseeable future. So that's it in a nutshell. Uh, I've got to admonish Tucker. His coverage of this from day one has been just a disaster. He's embarrassed himself, really, quite honestly. Um, during uh, the week or two before this, in fact, he had he was sending out his doctor, Dr. Siegel, I think it is. Um, he was pretty respectable uh, overall, but they went and he's off in China and Hong Kong and airports and they jazzed it up and everything else because, of course, they need ratings too. And I was really quite surprised to the level in which Tucker, uh, you know, did that. And, you know, I think he, I think he, realized that maybe obviously a week or so ago, maybe when they pulled the pin on Western civilization and started shutting everything down, I think he finally maybe figured that he got played, but I'm not too certain yet if, if Tucker is able now to uh, accurately report on this story, to be quite honest, I think he's compromised. Otherwise he'd be reporting what I'm reporting. And that's the tragedy that we've always known on the vaping issue is that the mainstream media just had no clue. They just don't care. They're in the bag so much. that So this connection that should be being made is, is not being made, and it should be. Uh, I wanted to just do one other thing here on, on a video because I've had this stuff here prepared for, for a bit because you have known we're going to have to do this. Again, February 25th, this is the day. For our Canadian viewers, um, I'm gonna, the first little bit that I'm going to play is going to give you a sense of, of the dual, the tandem chaos the left has unleashed and, and how important February 25th is. Good evening, I'm Andrew Chang. And I'm Adrian Arsenault. Tonight, solidarity protests escalate. More blockades stopping mass transit and causing mass confusion for commuters. It's ridiculous what they're doing. As pressure mounts for a solution. 
a stark warning. It's likely that this virus will cause a pandemic. The coronavirus is spreading and health officials warn the world is not ready. Looks like it's growing every day, so a little bit scary for sure. Flights suspended, trips canceled. Should COVID-19 change your travel plans? Abusing the power of attorney. If you have a victim that has dementia, they may not. So I'll just leave the uh, protest uh, full play here. But this was a big, huge day in the protest. You can see all the, there we go. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Let me make sure, okay. 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 So um, have a, a really good listen here, folks. And for, I'm sorry, I haven't even checked to see if there's any, anybody even watching. So in the end, I pretty much approached today to just to start get stuff up and, you know, cut some of this up, hopefully. But I want you to listen, if you can, if, if there's enough tape here, maybe you'll get it. If you are a Canadian and you do watch CBC, The National, start listening for their intonation that they use. It's not a traditional broadcasting intonation. It's a progressive harmony, uh, compassion, breathlessness uh, that happens. It's like, <sighs> they'll do uh, on certain very dramatic words and they do it all the time. And it's actually a way to dramatize something that's not worthy of being a drama. <laughs> all this adds up to an urgent political challenge for Justin Trudeau's government and a big opening for his opposition critics. So here's Catherine Cullen with some ministers. Okay, so I'll still uh, fast forward it here. So keep in mind, just only like just over three weeks ago, Canada was closed, was shut down over leftist anarchy, right? Um, and that's what Trudeau was incapable of handling. And then, you know, here we are. I mean, we, I mean, he's a, he's not going to say. See, this is how much, how much we have here on is has uh, caused the situation to, to do seven minutes. The liberals say it's not weakness to commit to reconciliation and dialogue, but right now neither seems to be happening. Catherine Cullen, CBC News, Ottawa. Well, to the coronavirus now. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control made it clear today an American outbreak is coming sooner or later as attention shifts from China to the explosive growth of COVID-19 infections elsewhere. Now, the number of confirmed cases surging in South Korea, but also outside Asia. In Iran, which reports about 100 cases so far, travelers from there now linked to new infections in Iraq, Kuwait, Bahrain, the UAE, and Oman. There are also new confirmations in Croatia, Austria, Switzerland, Spain. Many of those linked to Italy, where an outbreak seems to have gotten much more serious in just the space of days. Now, it is a nod to how the virus can slip past safeguards and why there's concern that the situation could quickly get worse. Christine Birak has more on a world watching and racing to protect itself. The man repeatedly wiping sweat from his face is Iran's deputy health minister. After telling Iranians not to overreact to the spread of the coronavirus yesterday, he announced today 
He's tested positive for the infection and is now in isolation in hospital. Canadian researchers suggest Iran may be experiencing a significant COVID-19 epidemic. The study isn't peer-reviewed yet, but based on models, it estimates Iran may have up to 18,000 cases. The virus is now spreading well beyond China's borders, across Asia, in Europe and the Middle East. We sort of have to say, OK, maybe travel is not necessarily the best way. To- so um, I'm going to just uh, bring this up right now. Um, so is it wise to be using uh, uh, non-peer-reviewed research? <laughs> okay, uh, well, we'll tell you right now that it's non-peer-reviewed, so we don't really know what it is. Uh, but now we're going to go ahead and just tell you what the hysteria is based on models. I mean, in Canada, they did the teen epidemic thing. David Hammond, you know, leaked all that data. And it wasn't even until June of the following year that, that it came out for the public after damage done, right? We, that's what uh, Gottlieb did, as CDC and FDA did in 2018 to start the whole epidemic narrative. And that data didn't come out for eight months. And then here we are, how in the hell is it possible? Well, it is possible because we know why. So for one, this doctor should have his license stripped because we're talking about a global pandemic and he's talking out of his ass. To identify cases because there's just so much transmission globally. A sentiment echoed by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Ultimately, we expect we will see community spread in this country. It's now warning Americans to prepare for the worst. I understand this whole situation may seem overwhelming and that disruption to everyday life may be severe. But these are things that people need to start thinking about now. The CDC says... And let me just make sure I hammer the point home here. This is the same day they closed the book on Valley. Communities should be thinking about school closures. Businesses need telecommuting options for employees and hospitals must expand telehealth services. So we're in a different situation than the United States from an organizational perspective. Canada's health minister says testing for the virus here has been more robust than in the U.S., but adds Canadians should be preparing as well might mean that, uh, you know, if someone is ill in their family, that, uh, that people are isolated, that businesses may have to have uh, contingency plans. Tokyo 2020 is also thinking about contingency plans. Top Olympic official Dick Pound told the Associated Press the games could be cancelled if COVID-19 is not contained within the next three months. All right. So... What can you say? The police. It's just brutal. It's just brutal. So, I mean, the, 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 there, there was not even a breath between uh, the vaping-related lung illness, hysteria, and COVID. And they just went for broke. Now, here's one little political thing I'm going to bring up. Because, you know, when I'm saying that progressives, and I'm identifying them and the way they are, that's not me being political. That's me being observational. But it's something that could feel more political was that it was is that the hair on fire trigger that got pulled here on the 25th when the day they closed the book on a valley and they lit the world's hair on fire. Because that when you tell people it's going to be a pandemic, it, it's going it's inevitable that, 
you know, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions will get it, you know, 70%, <coughs> excuse me, you know, and that the, the deaths are going to be like the Spanish flu. I mean, when, when you're doing that, right, I mean, you know what the reaction is going to be. And the thing is, is that this was a couple of days after uh, these good fine folks from CDC had appeared on a uh, in the White House briefing room with the president, where the president uh, uh, not so artfully tried to uh, calm the public's fear around the Wuhan virus. And, you know, he was a bit clunky about it, no doubt. And but uh, none of the CDC people or anything spoke. If you recall, Trump got excoriated pretty hard for not letting any of his experts speak. Well, his experts spoke all right. A couple of days later, they on, you know, in their regular uh, telebriefing set up, they said, screw it. Public health took power. Public health is more powerful than the president of the United States or any other world leader. We'll have to see how long that lasts. But right now, the only thing between your liberty, seriously here, is a struggle between the nation's leaders and their public health agencies. So, and it's really the CDC because the CDC leads it all. So this, this, was, this was public health searching for a pretext and boy, they have it. And then the line continues, as we know, as it's going to. So we are fairly close here uh, to being done. Now, uh, Mark Morano, who I mentioned at the start of the show, um, fantastic guy. Can't wait to get him on. He's when he's on. When Mark's on, you're going to learn how you're going to learn that I know how to shut up because <laughs> Mark can out talk me in a heartbeat, and that is. Uh, and continues. Excellent. Now, wait a minute. Okay, so I want to do this uh, story again here because uh, we didn't really look at it, the whole thing. And then we will get out of here. I'm afraid to look at, uh, to see if there's anybody watching, actually. That's why I'm not looking. I'm afraid there's just like nobody there. All right. Oh, come on. Oh. Oh. Okay, I know you use cookies. Thank the European Union for that. Okay, Italian research finds 99% of virus victims had prior illnesses. So this is uh, at 4.39 a.m. today up, I guess, 4.11.43 yesterday p.m. And it was revised. A new Italian study found that more than 99%, more than 99% of the country's corona victims were patients who suffered from previous health issues, Bloomberg reported Wednesday. Did you hear that on Wednesday? Did anybody hear that from Bloomberg on Wednesday? The research conducted by the country's National Health Authority. Oh, 
So, no, no, no. It was conducted by a bunch of wacko extremist, previously tobacco harm reductionist epidemiologists that are on the fringe right of the alt fascist Italian whatever. They were the ones that conducted this. No, no, wait a minute. Sorry. The research was conducted by the country's national health authority. A Rome-based institute could explain why Italy's death rate is higher than in other nations at almost 8% of total COVID-19 patients. Examining 18% of Italy's virus fatalities, the study showed that only three non-survivors had no previous pathology, according to Bloomberg. In addition, almost 50% of the victims suffered from at least three previous illnesses, and approximately 25% had one or two previous conditions. More than 75% of victims had high blood pressure, 35% had diabetes, and a third suffered from heart disease. Moreover, the disease is clearly deadlier to the elderly. The median age of the infected is, who cares? Because they've been lying about the age thing here. Who cares? This is what matters. On Wednesday, Italy reported 400 new deaths from COVID-19, the highest one-day official toll of any nation since the first... You know, see, these people can't help themselves. It doesn't matter how many people died today. It matters when did they get infected. You know, if, if, if 100 people got infected on one day and then 14 days later they all die, well, there'll be 100 people that die that day. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that... So, and then if, you know, if... 200 people got infected uh, five days later, and then 14 days from that, 19 days later, you know, they all died. 200 people. Oh, my God, it went up. It went from 100 a day to 200 a day. Oh, my God, this thing is out of control. Well, it doesn't really mean that, it, you know. And so, but look, the key thing here is just this is just unbelievable. So this is Italy's National Health Authority. 75% of victims had high blood pressure, 35% had diabetes, and a third suffered from heart disease. This is before they're bringing up the age. 50% of the victims suffered from at least three previous illnesses, and approximately 25% had one or two previous conditions. They have destroyed our economy. Nothing in the history of the world that's man, not even war, has done what has happened here. So this was out on Wednesday. There it is. There's Bloomberg's piece. And so did this come across your phone feed? I don't know about you, but I've been inundated by Bloomberg headlines. Your life is changing forever. Everything's changing forever. The new normal is this. I mean, come on. Bloomberg is just, it's rotten. And so this did not come across my feed. All right. Now, let me bring up one last thing because there was also the re uh, uh, parent research that had come out about a potential use of the old malaria drugs uh, to uh, fix, uh, fix you up there if you had COVID, if you, got, if you caught the bug as... Uh, as I'm so wont to say, because it's got that glib sound to it. And health, public health, they've, they've, they, they literally, we need to figure out a way to just shut down the entire public health system. Anybody that is working at any higher level needs to absolutely go. 
they need to be fired. I don't know how you do it, but I'll tell you, we, we can't afford to have any of these people involved anymore. And no person in public health should ever again feel that they've got any right of authority to tell people what to do. I mean, we need layers now of non-public health people to vet every last thing coming out of public health. One month, one year, coffee's good. One year, coffee's bad. Eggs are good. Eggs are bad. Red meat's good. Red meat's bad. Red wine's good. And the media, just, just, just like this. See, we can't fire the media, but we can fire public health. All right, so there's an important point to be made here. So this came out earlier in the week. Uh, well, it came out yesterday. Things are moving fast. Malaria drug sees promising signs as future coronavirus treatment. This is excellent news, right? A drug originally developed to treat malaria... So a drug originally developed to treat malaria is showing signs that it may also cure infections of the coronavirus, though much more testing is needed. Researchers and virologists in France have completed a clinical trial studying the effects of hydro, its hydroxychloroquine, 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 used to treat arthritis, malaria, and other ailments on patients with COVID-19, researchers treated a total of 26 coronavirus patients with the drug, including six that were given the antibiotic, uh, and this is azithromycin, azithromycin. Now, both of these things uh, are, are long, been long-established drugs for malaria, and then ha are now being used uh, for uh, by rheumatologists for immune system stuff. So they're really good for that, for immune system uh, stuff. Now, but to understand about malaria, and this is what's so interesting about what's happening here, is that these drugs have been around forever. Uh, in some form or another, all the way back to the original synthesizing that you know comes from the bark from some trees back in the early 19th century that was found to carry a uh, quinine, uh, uh, quinine, uh, which is that, which is the thing that is the, the key part of all these drugs, the quinine. And what people don't know because nobody's taught anything anymore. And I just happen to now be old enough that I've got what would seem to be useless information in my brain is that every single, uh, uh, soldier in the United States army since the you know mid 19th century certainly since the civil war certainly i guess maybe maybe in the south in the civil war well there's malaria there was definitely malaria but you know it's a more of a tropical disease so but any of them that were to build the panama canal and all that kind of stuff and then all of them traveling all over the world uh quinine is it was a staple in every single soldier's uh uh medical kit they all had to take it if you travel to anywhere where malaria is present, you're taking a drug that is based on these drugs that are still in use today. We're talking about drugs that have been around forever in, in modern industrial time. And here's the tragedy. 
Just like, so when AIDS happened, and that was bad, man, right? When that happened, what happened? Public health, uh, researchers, labs, everybody around the world, but definitely in the U.S., threw everything at it. The thing that made, the thing that saved lives immediately was a cocktail of combining multiple different drugs that had already existed, right, and use them to try to combat um, HIV. So when you're talking about an immune deficiency syndromes, I'm sure they definitely, they probably even could be in the cocktail, right? But, sorry, we lost that. Jesus. All right. Well, then I'm on block. So that's our cue to go. So this is really critical though. Okay. Um, so we have a long established way that we tackle these things in Western society when we're faced with an infectious disease like HIV or like COVID, where when it happens, as it's unfolding, we start to look for every single thing that we already got in our toolkit to throw at it. And we throw it at it and we see what happens. We combine cocktails, we put it all together and we create a cure or a solution to save lives. That's what we do. When the CDC and public health pulled the plug on Western civilization on February 25th, and then most importantly, last week, where they just shut everything down, they didn't take advantage of this established way that we have of dealing with these kinds of illnesses. Of course, there's likely to be a drug in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of different drugs that we've got. And you can narrow it down. We're talking about a respiratory illness. It's not like it's, you know, that's novel, right? Even though this coronavirus might be novel, right? And a, a respiratory illness isn't. Before we shut down Western civilization, why, do, why didn't we try a few of the older drugs that are out there? Like, obviously, what the French did, which is totally normal. And we're just, I mean, we've trillions of dollars of damage. I mean, this is unbelievable. I mean, do I have to say more? Come on. So, yeah. Okay. So, hold on. I need to just get this, this super source back. Because this is going to frosty, man. If there's anybody still left, I'm telling you. This is going to frost you. Okay. All right. What am I talking about? Frost yet? Well, okay. So we get this great news yesterday um, all about, you know, what is really good. I mean, you know, I have to get it. This is like, this is like, this is like finding out that Tylenol cures you from coronavirus. And before we tested that, we burned down Western civilization. It's like almost like that. And it's kind of strange too, but it's strange that yesterday, uh, uh, there was a, a media narrative that was on Fox and it was on CNN, it was on everywhere else, where it was public health officials, it was CDC warning people from not taking Tylenol and ibuprofen, saying that it could hurt you. On the same day that this is out, 
that's just screwed. It, you don't need to be conspiracy thinker to just know that, that with conditions of serendipity also means conditions for malevolent, malevolency, right? They are stealing, like they are literally, they have taken power. And so why yesterday would they, I thought that was strange. Why yesterday would they be saying, don't take ibuprofen, don't take Tylenol, it's going to make you sick. Well, it's going to make kids sick is what they said. Unbelievable. So, so that was out. So then today, the New York Times comes out with this. A promising treatment for coronavirus fails. Really, New York Times? No shit. It fails, eh? So we just had this great news yesterday about the use of, you know, these malaria drugs from France. Reputable research. And uh, the very next day, today, the New York Times is out with a counterpiece, propaganda. A promising treatment for coronavirus fails. If that's all you see for a headline, what that does is it gives every leftist, every progressive, and then it hits everybody's phone, all of our phones, and it just like defangs that immediately. And then I'm sure CNN was, you know, following the New York Times line, because this is the New York Times. This is the gray old lady. This is the paper of record. Should be burnt to the ground. Should be used to start fires and not a fire for coronavirus, some other kind of fire. Researchers had hoped that antiviral drugs would help patients, but a new study from China said that one antiviral drug combination didn't work. This, this is treason. What is New York Times doing here? So you got a French study out, perfectly, perfectly fine. Right? You know, French study out, totally makes sense. 40 people, we, we threw the malaria drugs at them. They all got better. New York Times comes out the next day. No, 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 no. This promising treatment you've heard about fails. And we've got the real truth for you on why it failed from China. But don't call it Wuhan, you're a racist. So antiviral drugs that had held promise. See, they always, oh, they held promise, but they didn't, you know. Didn't. So antiviral drugs that held promise as a potential treatment for coronavirus did not work in one of the first major studies in seriously ill patients, researchers from China reported on Wednesday. No benefit was observed, the researchers wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine. The study tested Caletra, a combination of two antiviral medicines. Oh, which are not the two antiviral medicines that we just read in the last story that are normally used to treat HIV, right? Because that's what we normally do. We normally go to what we've already got and we make those work because there's plenty of things that are already there before we burn down Western civilization. Why is the New York Times Coming out with this piece the very next day, literally first major study out by China. This is wrong. You just relax. Don't panic, progressives. The COVID hysteria is still on. Don't panic. Here's everything you're going to need to know to debunk 
the cure for coronavirus. The New York Times is going to have to be dragged kicking and screaming to the proof when a cure or a fix for coronavirus happens. You want to see you want to see the New York Times skeptical? Put a cure to the hysteria of of, of COVID. That'll do it. There is no proven drug treatment for the new coronavirus, and doctors around the world have been desperately testing an array of medicines in hopes of finding something that will help patients, especially those who are severely ill. Several antiviral drugs have been considered possible treatments, though so far, none has proven effective. Oh, thanks for uh, all of the reassuring there, New York Times. Even though the results were disappointing, the researchers said that this one study was not the last word and suggested that more studies might determine whether the drugs would work if given earlier in the illness or in combination with other medicines. The new findings, which is now China, involve a study of 199 adults ages 48 to 68 who were hospitalized in civilian year with the virus. For 14 days, half the patients... Okay, anyhow, this is now the pretense for science. But either way, I mean, just the balls on these people... Uh, the progressives, I mean, can you believe this? Researchers had hoped that antiviral drugs would help patients, but a new study from China said that one antiviral drug combination didn't work. All right, so it fails. Thanks, New York Times. Okay, and then the last, uh, and who sent that to me? I think... Think Cindy Schmidt, our fine young friend Cindy. And this will be the last thing I'm going to do. Ah, I can search for it easier. California. <laughs> what do you, what is uh, shelter in place? Now what it is? A third of all Californians have been told to shelter in place. CNN. So we know what's going, I mean, all. I mean, uh, God, it's taken me two hours to do this. Over two hours? Two hours. Over two hours to do this. So must I have to point out that all of the states that have lost their freaking mind and are absolutely gone, totally goose step, are all of the same ones uh, pushing vaping bans or of implemented bans. Must I have to do that? I guess, you know, clearly, clearly, the it's all the same people. A third of all Californians have been told to shelter in place. About one third of California's 39 million residents have been told to shelter in place as part of an effort to stop the spread of coronavirus. Sacramento County on Thursday ordered 1.5 million residents to shelter in place at night, meaning do not leave your home. Even Humboldt County, which reported one case of coronavirus, also urged its residents to stay home. Under these orders, people may leave homes only for essential work or errands like buying groceries or medicine. You will be asked for your destination when you're walking on a public street by a police officer. Where are you going? Why are you going there? What reason do you have to do that? You must return to your home. You will be arrested if you don't follow my order. 
So, so people, you got a choice. Do you run with the herd and you run with the very same people that have been destroying your own health day after day as they attempt to rip your vaping device from your cold, dead hand? <laughs> I know many of you vapers have that particular uh, position. But no, but like, you know, as, as funny as that might be, they've been trying to get you with every vaping bat, with every lie that they have told, with every corrupted statistic, with every researcher that is an accomplished, accredited epidemiologist like Dr. Stanton Glantz, who takes people who have had heart attacks <laughs> before they started vaping, and then says that vaping gave him a heart attack. If that isn't communist, progressive, fascist, leftist shit, I don't know what is. And then you've got here. I mean, we've got Italy has been held out as this huge thing. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I hear Italy every day from people that should know better. And they go, but yeah, but Italy, but Italy. Well, you finally get some proper data out of there and you go, yeah, well, uh, you know, three quarters of them, you know, are already on their last legs. I've said this not on air. Maybe I did on the weekend, but look, we're talking about, look, this is going to sound harsh, but let's just be honest here in the realities of life. We are all going to go. We are all going to go. For some, it's just a matter of, of sooner or later. So the, the, the whole thing here is that do we shred truth, shred civil liberties? I'm not to the civil liberties only go my right to like walk around with my shirt off, my right to walk freely as a citizen with inside my city and state and country. Come on, say what, I mean, forget it. This is just insane. They've burned down Western civilization. That's what they want to do, right? So run with the herd and we'll see you on the other side. But I guarantee you that soon more and more people are going to choose to be outside the herd. You've heard that now a couple of times from me tonight. It is a reg watch line. It is... Uh, you know, I'm good at writing these things. And you're going to start seeing that a lot because that's our message moving forward on COVID. It's not watch the watchers. It's be outside the herd. Whether or not I'll do a full changeover across all of our collateral or not will come from the fact that, you know, not all of our stuff is me ranting. I still have to, you know, interview people without me going ranting. So, but that is going, you're going to be seeing that in a lot of places on RegWatch, that's our message. Be outside the herd. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool place to be. So there you go, guys. That's it for this edition of RegWatch. And before you head off, please go over to support.regulatorwatch.com and consider making a financial contribution to our vaping coverage. I'll soon have that swapped over to talk about the larger battle. I've always told you vaping 
was a you know portend a larger battle. It is this exact battle. Uh, I wasn't wasn't some other battle. It's this battle. The battle with vaping is a battle with public health, seeking power and control over your lives, to an extent that can only go this far and farther. So dig into your wallet and find a few dollars and toss them our way. We need it. You'll be happy you did. Your life may depend on it. And while online, don't forget to like us on Facebook and please follow us on Twitter for regulatorwatch.com. I'm Brent Stafford.